You're listening to the Quietly Ambitious podcast, and this episode is one from before we rebranded. So if you hear references to Creatively Human, that is why. I hope you enjoy the episode. You're listening to Creatively Human, with honest conversations about what matters to us and how it really feels to build an online business, put our work out into the world, and make an impact in our own unique way. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, business mentor to heart-led creatives. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am interviewing Maria Evans, who is a coach and mentor for teenagers and works one-on-one with young people on their self-confidence and self-belief. I was particularly keen to talk to Maria because I feel like a lot of the issues affecting teenagers are also really relevant to us as adults, especially how addicted we may feel to our phones and the way we compare ourselves and our lives to what we see online. So we chatted a lot about that and what we are each doing to cultivate healthier relationships with our screens. We also talked about how Maria left teaching, she trained as a social media manager, she bravely decided it wasn't for her, and then moved into this really unique kind of coaching business, and the importance of all of us finding our spark. I hope you like it. I'm Maria, and I am a coach and mentor for teenagers. I guess the main part of my job is I work one-to-one with um, young people on a weekly basis it's usually students who young people who have problems with self-confidence and self-belief and um we talk a lot about um promoting self-care and self-love and we also do a lot of work around uh their time online and on social media and how that affects their well-being and um and also obviously how that affects their self-confidence and self-worth and friendship issues and um basically the same sort of things that we worry about as adults being online on social media um you know they have the same concerns but in their world I suppose Mm. it's kind of different from ours but they have the same the same kind of worries and anxieties about that so yeah that's what I do and I also do sort of workshops with young people as well about cultivating healthy relationships with social media and I blog about it and about um, communicating with teenagers effectively and um, and also just how to navigate the kind of, for parents, how to navigate the um, often challenging years of, uh, of teenagehood. So interesting. I would love to ask you a bit about how you got started in this business like I know that you've been on quite a journey and you quit your job <laughs> yeah I would love to talk a bit about that how did it come about okay well um I've always worked with ages so ever since so when I was a student um I studied English literature and history of art um, I I was studying at York University and um, was living in I was from I'm from Bournemouth and there are lots of um, uh, modern foreign language schools in Bournemouth and during the summer holidays I used to work teaching English to overseas students and sort of chaperoning them on day trips out and stuff like that organising activities for them so I'd always worked with young people right from an early age you know right from kind of when I was sort of leaving the teen years myself I suppose so probably from about the age of 19 and I also used to volunteer at um, summer camps for kids who had um, cancer or other serious illnesses 
And so I just loved being around young people. And that kind of so the kind of natural progression was to go into teaching. And I also come from a family of teachers. My mum was a teacher. My dad was a teacher. Um, and uh, in fact, like my dad's a couple of my dad's brothers, teachers, my mum's family, it's a whole long line of us. And so it was kind of felt like a natural thing to do. And I taught um, English in secondary schools for just over 13 years. And um, so last year, yeah, so it would be December 2017, I quit teaching. And it was a massive decision that I didn't take lightly at all. But for a number of years, I just felt it wasn't, I, I, I just felt it wasn't right for me anymore. Um, I kind of, so after I did my degree, I went straight into the PGC and went straight into teaching and didn't really allow myself to explore any other avenues I just you know thought well I need a stable job and I need security and I need to know when the money's coming in and and pensions and all that sort of thing and I was kind of very very risk averse and because I liked working with young people I loved my subjects it was kind of a no-brainer and I got so much out of those years teaching and absolutely loved it and um um, I worked in school in London for five or six years and worked in Dorset as well, um, in schools in Dorset. And so I gained so much from it. So it was a really, basically what I'm trying to say is it was a really hard decision. Mm. I also kind of, there are days when I feel quite guilty about it because as we all know, the kind of what you hear about schools at the moment, mm. um, it's it's a really, really difficult time in education and um, a lot of good teachers are leaving and I, I still feel quite guilty about going. But um, I remember reading somewhere once that no other job or very few jobs expect you to prioritize other children above your own and teaching can can feel like that sometimes and um having three children of myself um I felt like I it was just all consuming and to do a really good job for me to do a really good job um there were a lot of sacrifices being made elsewhere with my home life and and also just my general well-being it was very stressful it's a really stressful job and um I also just couldn't see myself doing it for I think the retirement age is 68 now and I couldn't I'm 38 yeah I couldn't see myself doing it for another 30 years and and that being the only other the only job I ever did so I guess I was just sort of gave myself permission to explore something else and it was a really scary decision so I decided that social media management was the way forward for me. Um, I saw some stuff on my own social media, some adverts pop up about it and targeting um, mums. Um, and it seemed like a really, really good idea because I could get to work from home, around the kids. Um, so I did a social media management course for six months. And whilst I really enjoyed a lot of it, the kind of the main crux of it I suppose is that you have to be present online yeah for so much of your day and um I would sort of check I had apps before so this was before Instagram had that thing where you can see how long you've spent on your phone on 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 the platform I had um an app and it, I I'd sort of check at the end of the day and I'd been on on social media for about six hours a day on average just 
doing my own content and mm. engaging and re- replying and also just the addictive nature of it. So just checking in all the time to see how many likes I'd got and shares and all that sort of thing. And I just thought, I, I don't think I can do this. It just wasn't for me. For me to leave teaching, which was, as I say, was such a kind of massive decision, um, I thought I can't do it for something that I feel half-hearted about. So I had a long kind of think over the summer about it and just kind of kept coming back to working with young people because that's where my skills lie and what I'm good at and also just what I really, really enjoy and care about. And the time I spent on social media, you know, thinking this is what young people are this is kind of the thing of their generation now. And so that's how I bring that work into what I do is kind of, you know, the the cultivating healthy relationships with social media is something that every parent really, really worries about. You know, there is lots of research that we do know about it, but obviously we don't necessarily know the long-term effects of it all yet. And it's not going anywhere. So it's, it's kind of trying to help them figure out how to stay in control of social media and not let it control them I suppose so um yeah that's that's the kind of very long version of how I got of how I got here so yeah, yeah it's been an interesting journey yeah. so far it must be yeah it's hard isn't it to think that you're doing one thing and but when your heart's not in mm. it there's just something like you can keep trying and trying but there's just like yeah if it's if your heart's not in it then it doesn't work yeah I felt really embarrassed about it to be honest I thought oh my god yeah. I, I've kind of quit this job that I've invested so much of my like poured so much of myself into and has given me so much back and then I'm doing it for something that I don't really want to do like yeah. it it was it felt really embarrassing to kind of say oh. um you know people say so you know how's the course gone have you got any cut and I'd have to say yeah no I'm not doing that anymore going back to working with young people and 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 actually it was silly for me to be embarrassed because no one actually thinks that way really and when I when I did my course we had like a peer group um six of us and and I look at those women now who are doing social media management who are actually doing the job now for real um they're just I mean they're just flying because it's what they really want to do you know you can see that 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 it was the right decision for them and some of them there was one who didn't finish the course because she knew it wasn't right for her you know so it's yeah it does it needs to be kind of brave I think to yeah. step back and say no it's not for me yeah I agree and sometimes you've got to try these things to get like I'm guessing now when you look back it all kind of makes sense and it all kind of actually yeah. plays into what you do now but at the time it must be really hard to like try that thing and then think oh no have I made a mistake yeah Absolutely. I'd love to know how you're sort of navigating all the like hurdles and mindset stuff that goes along with starting something new. Even if it's it's something that you really want to do, it can be hard to like decide exactly how that's going to look. How are you finding it and what mindset stuff is going into all of that? Oh, so much. <laughs> so much like daily. Yeah. Um, the mindset stuff comes in daily. It really does. And I mean, I went from school to university to teaching. So I am completely institutionalized with this form of work, the working day. And I'm still having to work on that. So, you know, one of the many reasons why I left teaching was so that I could, you know, kind of dictate my own day, you know, make up my own rules about how my day looks 
you know, because that's what I used to get frustrated about sometimes in teaching was I could tell you exactly what I would be doing in three months time mm-hmm. to the yeah. to almost to the minute who who would be sat in front of me what I'd be teaching you know it, it it's it's I wanted to kind of move away from that so what I'm really I'm having to kind of unlearn a lot of things so when I have like an hour call in the evening but in the morning I go to the gym for an hour that's okay whereas before I'm, I'm starting to get used to that that this my working day just looks different um um, so it's again sort of reminding myself there's that phrase isn't there about don't forget that, that you're living the life now that you wanted to live yeah, a year yeah, ago yeah. Remember, I can't remember the exact wording but no, I, I know what you remind mean. myself of that quite a lot and um, just the inner critic yep. is showing up <laughs> daily constantly yep. um, so I do a lot of journaling I do a lot of affirmations I listen to lots of podcasts as well um, uh, I remember one of my favourite interviews of yours was with, was with the lovely Tammy Thomas, and I remember her saying, "It's a lifetime of undoing." Yes, you know, yeah. the whole um, if you've kind of lived this this way of thinking for for most of your life or all of your adult life, it's, it's going to take a long time to undo it. So it's it's definitely a daily process, and a lot of it is about just giving myself permission, not beating myself up when things don't work, like approaching it in a playful way at times. Well, let's, you know, let's try and do a live on Instagram on this and just see how it goes. That sort of thing that I guess I'm just trying to be brave doing. But there are times when I feel pretty exhausted from the showing up. You know, that's one thing I won't let go is is the showing up. And um, that can be really tiring, especially when a lot of what I talk about is how social media is addictive and <laughs> and I read a lot of stuff about it and so I'm trying to like um check in when I feel like I'm getting addicted to it too so yeah it's yeah. a lot of work isn't yeah. it <laughs> yeah it is it's it's constant and I'm gonna come back to that social media stuff in a bit but first I'm just gonna say like um how does it feel like because I don't know about you but sometimes you think when you work for yourself that you have so much time to get everything done and you end yeah. up getting nothing done? Um, I only work three days because my daughter's in preschool Monday to Wednesday. And um, so by the time I dropped her off and come home, I have to go back out again at two to pick them up. And I, I kind of have to come back and kind of sort out the chaos of the morning. So, yeah, it doesn't it, it doesn't leave me with an awful lot of hours left. And I find the time management thing quite tricky but then having said that, one of the many skills that teaching gave me was about prioritizing mm. because in teaching there is you never there is always, always work to do. Right, you know, yeah. Constantly. You never get anything done. You kind of have to come to terms with that as a teacher, otherwise you make life very, very difficult for yourself. And I think that's that's kind of taught me a lot and that's helped me. But but what I'm you know, what's really new to me is just having my own business. I've obviously just always worked for school so the I guess I still have that element of I could be doing more I could be doing more I could be doing more and I think that's that comes with running your own business doesn't it yeah I think it's all on you and it's all on you and that there's always more that you can do and actually I don't know about you but sometimes I find it hard to switch off because I do enjoy my work but yes you have to tell yourself that you know the work's never going to be finished and you do need to switch off from it for sure that's so true. And I've really noticed that lately in the books that 
because I'm constantly reading books about how to speak to teenagers and stuff about social media and um, I was in charge shop the other day and I saw a Marion Keys one that I hadn't read and I was like, no, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to read this next because I just need just something that's a complete break from, co- yeah, I think yeah. you're right, you never switched off, just even the podcast I listen to, is it's all connected yeah. and um, like you say, if you enjoy it, it makes it nice, I guess that's no bad thing, but yeah, yeah too much of a good thing though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm like that with books. Like I've literally had to force myself, like you just said, to read non-business, non-sort of self-improvement related books and just like fiction, you know, anything like that. And especially because I want to write, like I need to read that stuff. Like that's part of improving your writing as well. But you know what? That's me looking at it from a business point of view again. (laughs) But like I literally just need to read it to relax. But let's get let's get into that social media stuff because I'm like I'm so okay. keen to talk to you about it. Like because <laughs> this is one of the things I worry about all the time. Like I see it in myself. Mm-hmm. I I know that I get addicted to it. I go through phases mm-hmm. where I'm like really into it, and I also worry about it in terms of my son. Like he's only one mm-hmm. now, so obviously he's not on social media. But it's a thing. Like I know that it's a real thing for kids yeah. who are teenagers now and kids who are growing up now. Um, so I would love to hear your thoughts about from what you've read, like the role that social media plays in our lives and is it healthy? Is it good? I don't know. What are your thoughts about it? Oh, well, there's obviously there are so many positives. I mean, the reason why you and I are talking now is because we've met through, through it, you know, the, the, you know, the most obvious one is connection and, um, you know, it's, I'm just it from a teenage perspective you know if you were if we think back to when we were teenagers and it I mean for me it didn't exist yeah. I mean I didn't get my first phone till I was 19 I think mm. um so it, thank god it didn't exist I know that's how I, feel. I always feel oh. so so grateful um and um so I can't remember what I was gonna say yeah so it's if you were into some particular type of music or subculture or you just didn't feel like you fitted in at school, yeah, you could true. find, you know, they can find their tribe on social media and that can obviously make people feel much less alone. But actually research has shown that those people still feel lonely if they spend more time on social media I mean there's there's a really great book um that one of the first books I read about it actually is called um iGen by Jean M Twenge I think mm. Professor Twenge yeah, I think yeah. her name is um right but she's a professor at a university in America she's done loads of research and she her research showed that that kids who spend an hour on social media are happier than those who spend who are not on it at all. So I think there's no harm in allowing them to be on it. Um, is my view, because actually I think what's really important is that they have their kind of social capital, I suppose. You know, and having that connection and being in touch with what's going on with their peers is really important. And mm-hmm. that's the same for us too. I mean, it's. I think it is. I mean, studies have shown it is a health issue. And I think we just need to just check the way, I mean, and and I'm saying all this, I'm not perfect when I'm using it at all. And I'm still just trying to figure this out. You know, we're all trying to, we're all pioneers of it. But I think it's, it's, it's just questioning how we're using it. Like what is our intention? You know, when we 
kind of aimlessly scrolling what is our intention for, for that and and just checking in about whether it's serving us in that moment or, or whether we're just kind of being drawn into it because obviously it, they are just these apps um these platforms are designed to be addictive they're designed to keep you keep you there you know keep you on for as long as possible um and it's it's much it's re- still really hard for us as adults to to remind ourselves of that and be mindful of it but it's even harder for young people because they don't always necessarily know that yeah and as adults i'm thinking we i don't know do we have more of a tendency to like reflect on what we're doing and think more about it in that sense yeah. like always oh, this good for me and stuff whereas teenagers are just like in it and and all their friends are on it and it's just life i don't know Absolutely, because we can remember a time before it. You know, we can remember what life was like before social media. They mm-hmm. don't necessarily. I mean, a lot of teenagers now they'll they'll have baby photos of themselves on Facebook. Wow, you know that their parents have put. When you think how long Facebook's been out for, yeah. they will have been on it for a long time in some way or another. Um, so it's all they've ever known, and we're kind of, I guess, the last generation who can remember what life was like before it so I think that we also have to our advantage whereas they they don't have that yeah yeah and I and you know another thing that that sort of concerns me is just how much they they are aware of how they're being manipulated on social media so even though now with the laws of the hashtag ad for example Mm -hmm. I think still those images are so curated I, I think they still often they still accept that that is that person's life and so comparison is is rife for young people you know if you think when we were at school we'd compare ourselves to you know if you had a non-uniform day you could see that some person in your class had the latest trainers and the latest jeans or whatever and it would be that one day of the half term or the term whereas now obviously you can see that as soon as they've bought their they've purchased those pair of trainers you'll see that that person you know so the comparison can kick in it's very difficult to escape from it I think yeah the the boundaries that we need to lay for ourselves they they say it's their their concerns or our concerns and um it's it's really hard it's really hard it's really hard for parents I can't imagine if I had had that social media the most I had I had um MSN messenger which was right yeah I think when I was a an older teenager I was on MSN yeah. Messenger all the time. But at least it wasn't like bombarded. I wasn't bombarded. It was, yeah. it was still a conversation, but it, it was different, obviously. But yeah, um, I'd love to know from your research, like how has it made you feel about your own social media use? Like you touched upon that earlier. Like have you set any boundaries around it, either with yourself or with your family? Yeah, I have. So I don't always get these right. Um, but my boundaries are my phone is not in my room at night. So we have an alarm clock. We've got those glow clocks because I'm really not a morning person. (laughs) And I also try and keep my phone away from me in the evening. So if me and my husband just, you know, watching telly um, in the sitting room, it will be in the kitchen. Now, that's not every evening, but I try my best to. And actually, I noticed that when it's not in the kitchen and we're sitting watching something like MasterChef, I'm on my phone and it, it doesn't feel good just being, I'm sort of a little bit present with him, chatting yeah, to him, a little yeah. bit present with what's going on on the telly, a little bit present on my phone and it's splitting yourself three ways. It's exhausting. I read something the other day about 
through social media is another exchange of energy. So it's no wonder why, you know, if you've had a big scrolling session, you feel exhausted because it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's taking something from you. It's taking attention from you. So, yeah, so I try and keep those separate. I'm also trying on my days off with my daughter to not engage in social media those days. I might put a post up in the morning um but then try and leave it for the rest of the day and then when they when all the kids are in bed I might um you know go and have a look um sort of after they've gone to bed but that's it's really hard as a business owner because and, yeah. and if you're trying to build a community which what which is what I'm trying to do at the moment I'm working really hard to build a community and I know that, that a lot of parents of teenagers have said um there's there's such a massive community of parents of, of young really young children and babies and toddlers but they're just there isn't as many parents of teenagers being very you know there's not much stuff online for parents of teenagers yeah. because well for many reasons because they're mainly because their teenagers are on social media as well so they they've really got to be respectful of oh, their God, kids yeah. they can't start talking about them <laughs> yeah. when their kids like hello I follow you stop talking yeah. about me so it's a really it's a real it's a real minefield for them and and so I'm working really hard and trying to find ways to build that community so that they you know so it feels safe for them and they feel they've got kind of content to access and engage with and be a part of so when you're kind of taking yourself offline you know off those platforms for two days and then I try at weekends as well as best I can um it's 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 quite scary to do that you know to just say not be around because the whole as I remember from my training social media management it's like you know engage and be present and so as I say I don't have it I don't have all the answers and I don't always get it right but those those main and I try not to be around on my phone too much when I'm with my kids as well um, when I was doing my training, I remember that was the other thing that bothered me. My kids would say, my elders would say, just put your phone down. Oh, no. And that really was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, oh it's really, really kind of affected me. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's I try and kind of put it on the shelf in the kitchen when they're around. Yeah, yeah. And you said um, about the community is like, I think, yeah, with parenting, it, social media can be like a real lifeline and just like to hear people's experiences when they're going through or when you're going through something and like you said the parents of teens if they don't have that so I can see why on the one hand you really want to foster this community but on the other hand you need to be careful about how you do it it's it's so tricky and I kind of feel the same because um I've been reading a book. It's digital minimalism. I don't know if you've read it. Um, it's sort of about. Oh, all I haven't read that one. It's quite. It's only just been released like fairly recently, and I haven't even read it all yet. But it's making me just consider everything. But on the one hand, I'm like, I love it. I love social media. I love. I obviously love the internet because it's made my whole life possible, basically. Absolutely. And my Ab- business. Absolutely. And when we think back to, because you know we have that connection. I just, I, you know, I'm just thinking with with having small children just get it's just seeing that somebody else gets it was going through exactly mm-hmm. the same thing as you I mean when I was um you know when I was feeding my breastfeeding my eldest I didn't I wasn't on social media social media at that time um I wasn't on Facebook for, I didn't go on Facebook until I did my social media management course because I had oh, to wow. as part of the course because it's in teaching we were always advised to if you can just stay away from it because it was obviously quite um 
dangerous would be a dramatic word, but it yes, could professionally. Yeah, it was that. it was tricky to be on social media, and I just thought oh, I just won't bother. And I never sort of missed it, but I liked, I did get on Instagram. But anyway, when I was breastfeeding my eldest, and I think about those kind of times in the night when it's just you awake and you don't really fancy reading. And, you know, if you would kind of imagine scrolling on Instagram and some other mum is up, you know, feeding their baby yeah. at that time, it's it, that there would be that, yeah, you'd sort of feel a bit less alone and mm-hmm. yeah. definitely makes you feel part of something. Um and I guess in a modern age, we've sort of lost that. Some, I guess, some of us feel we've lost that connection with mothers in the, in the sense that um, we all kind of, you know, most mums were, you know, living next door to each other, kids running in and out, and it was just a completely different time. Um, so social media's kind of has has brought that back again, I suppose. Mm. I mean, there are so many benefits to it. I've learned so much from social media, so much. Um, but as I say, it's just about, I guess it's just like trying not to let it control you, being able to step away from it and know that, that it's okay to step away from it for a few days. It won't all still be there. Yeah. Get back. Everyone's not going to leave you. <laughs> no, no. I actually, I've had a Facebook account for a long time since I was at uni. Um, and when was it? It was last year or the year before I deactivated my profile. And right. it was really weird because I suddenly like didn't know what everyone was up to. But then mm. actually really quickly it was like, oh, it's absolutely fine. But I do still use Facebook because I'm in loads of groups for my business. So I kind of deactivated my personal account and set up a business account. Right. And interestingly, I still find myself scrolling. Um, so I don't know what that means, but I feel like to me it is a sort of addictive zone out but the I guess the thing that I do miss is like keeping up with those sort of like family members and friends who you don't you're not seeing all the time like that that's the one thing that I that would that sort of made me not want to deactivate my Facebook although I have noticed a lot more people are are not using Facebook as much in that sense anymore but yeah it's interesting to see how it feels definitely yeah and there are days when I just think, I just don't want to be on it anymore, any of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure it's possible to have, as I say, to have a business or, or building a community and not be on it. I'd, I'd love to know of a, a thriving business that isn't on any social media platform. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm sure they exist, but yeah. It's a very but if it's you're more starting a niche, it, niche thing. Yeah, yeah, and I think if you're starting a business, you you know, you can't not be on it. I mean, it might be, I don't know, just thinking like maybe a a, a garage somewhere that's been <laughs> going for years and years yeah, and years, yeah, yeah. and by word of mouth, everyone goes, and you know. But I'm, I think if if the business path started before this, you know, blew up, then maybe. But yeah, exactly, because like um my business that I've had before doing this it was like it's not very visible at all and I sort of built up an email list but that happened in a very organic kind of way and now that I'm starting something new social media is definitely more of a 
um what's the word just more impactful I think it's it's easier yeah. to just get visible and get yeah get in front of people and start talking to people and do it that way yeah. so yeah definitely. although I do definitely get tired being on social media mm. sometimes I mm. sometimes I try and think it through and think could I get rid of my phone like is there a way to do this can I just get an old-fashioned yeah. phone that can only do phone calls <laughs> yeah um, but well Zadie Smith I think Zadie Smith isn't on any social media at all um oh, interesting. i think she has she famously has a like a really old nokia i may have this wrong oh i love it but old i'm nokia. pretty sure i will check i'm pretty sure she's just got like an old nokia that sends text messages and receives phone calls that's it and you know she's a hero isn't she really she's amazing <laughs> an amazing writer and she's um she doesn't have any of that because I think the other thing is with our phones is we've come to like rely on them for so many other things. It's not just social media. It's mm. like having that camera yeah. in your pocket or having, yes. oh, I mean, WhatsApp, it's sort of a social thing, but it's a bit different. Yeah. Things like that. You just have it all in one place. And um, one of the interesting mm. things I read about that in that digital minimalism book is it's it, he's kind of making the case for like, yes, it's all useful, but is its usefulness like worth it when you really weigh it yeah. all up? So that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to think. Like, would it, would I ever carry a camera around with me? Yeah. Or do I need to? I don't know. And that's, and that's the thing. I think I've got so many pictures of my kids um, looking really photogenic and, you know, kind of their, you know, perfect angles and all the rest of it. And of course, you know, their kids, my kids obviously think they are beautiful whatever but my point is I sort of miss those really crap photos that you <laughs> yeah, get yeah. you know when you get that you go and you you've got your camera reel or you've got your disposable camera and you go and print them off and you just don't know what the pictures are going to look like you know those real yeah, pictures where everything it? is so staged and it's not necessarily always capturing the moment yeah I think that's lost as well so my kids will have all these kind of perfect pictures of them when they were little um whereas I've got you know ones of me just look at you know yeah like a kid yeah. like a messy kid you know with wild yeah. hair and jam on my face and um you know and I think I think it, that's sort of a shame that we've lost those really awkward you know I don't know half your film comes back and so you know you're thumbs being in the way of yeah but it but this sort of the anticipation the excitement of going and having to wait a couple of days to pick up your film and I think yeah that that's sort of a shame we've we've kind of lost that too I don't it's know true. but then maybe we just need to move on with the times I know we might just be being nostalgic <laughs> yeah possibly it's very easy to do that isn't it? Um, an example I read in the book was um I keep going on about this book he was um saying about how to read it. yeah it's good um he was saying how when we listen to music for example like on Spotify we just listen to stuff on random and I just think that's true like there's something I mean it's fun to listen to stuff on random but there's it's also fun just to like totally like absorb yourself in like the album as it yeah. was meant to be yes. listened to things like that just like yeah. small things small ways in which like technology changes the way we consume things and appreciate things yeah. it all makes difference yeah. I think I was just going to ask you another question about so when you speak to um teenagers when they're struggling mm. with social media or comparison or whatever else is going on in their lives what are the kind of strategies that you recommend them to to help themselves out of that 
Well, the thing about social media is quite interesting because none of them really seem to think they have a problem with it. <laughs> so, which I find really interesting. So they just, they're like, so I, one of the things, they'll, they'll, they'll get to refer, so it's the parents who find me and they'll, they'll contact me and say, you know, I think, you know, my, my um, kids, it's actually mostly girls that I work with. Um, so, so the parents will contact me and say, I think, you know, my son or daughter would really benefit from talking to you and it's it's always kind of that they their kid always has to be up for it otherwise it's just not going to work we're going to sit for an hour and they don't want to to be it's not you know they have to know that they have to kind of want something to shift for them and when I talk about whether social media is an issue nine times out of ten and the workshops I do nine times out of ten they'll say no it's fine and I, I find that really interesting because I think it's just become the norm yeah, for them. Yeah. Um, it's just so. So then what I have to do is then I have to sort of start to ask the questions and do sort of tasks to kind of get them to figure out what the problems might be. Because quite often they don't know. They're just often they're just so kind of passively consuming it by just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Yeah, I think that a lot of the time they're just not even really thinking is that, as we do, you know, we're looking through. So one the, one of the first tasks to do is I ask them to describe their dream day mm-hmm. uh, in absolute detail to me. And quite often their phone isn't part of it. They don't mention their mm, phone. Yeah. And then we talk about why they don't mention it. And they're like, oh, yeah, I didn't. They kind of, you know, so... It's interesting that they don't mention that. We talk about why that might be. Um, another thing we do is we talk about when they use their phone and um, we talk about how well they sleep. And another thing from research is that, that kids aren't sleeping as well um, and screens have massive parts playing in that. So we talk about um, the possibility of them not having their phone in their room at night. Now, a lot of parents don't let them, but there are still parents who who do allow them to have their phones um, in their room. So we talk about why that's not a good idea and just how even sort of subconsciously, even as you're sleeping, you know, if you get up to go to the loo in the night, you still kind of check, you might just check to see what the time yeah. is. That flash of light is sends a trigger to your brain that it's daylight. Um, it, it stimulates some hormone, I can't remember the name of it, <laughs> um, that, that tells your brain, your kind of our sort of caveman brain, that it's daylight so even if you do get back to sleep easily which you're lucky if you do because most of the time it might take you longer to get back to sleep um it still affects the quality of your sleep so we do that we also talk about um images online so reading when you're being kind of sold something or when something is um very staged and very curated and we also something I used to teach, taught for a couple of years, communications and cultural studies. It was a bit sort of bit of everything really, and the part of it was a bit of psychology, a bit of media, and we used to do reading images from different perspectives, so theoretical perspectives, so looking at like feminist perspective and post-colonialism and uh, Marxist and all that sort of thing. So whilst I don't do it as kind of theoretically as that, we will look at how women are represented, for example, and what this is kind of telling us about body image and how that makes us feel looking at that image. So we do look at that as well. And there's one task I do, which they really love, and where we look at photoshopped images of celebrities and how they are, well, women in particular, 
are always made to look smaller and we talk about how that's kind of shrinking female presence and yeah. and 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 again just how those images are are not real they are they are unattainable so to kind of linking them with the comparison comparing yourself to something that doesn't even exist and so just sometimes they're not even aware of um how an image might be fake yeah. in that sense so we do, we do we spend a lot of time doing that in, in workshops that I do that in particular and also and the other thing with social media is that so often I've come across kids who have got in trouble at school because they've said something about someone a teacher or the school they've kind of you know said something negative <laughs> criticize them and they sort of said well it was on my stories and I just I just said it to my bet only my friends follow me and like one of the friends would have taken a screenshot huh. and sent it to someone else and even they get all that at school but it, it just needs to be re they get they get taught that at school and P- PSHE and stuff but so much of that needs to be reinforced as well because they just forget it they don't they don't often very trusting I suppose so they don't when they've got their personal private settings on, they think that means that they can just yeah. share whatever they want and it's safe. And so, you know, online safety is another thing that we look at as well. It's obviously really, really important. That's so interesting. I feel like that, oh, I feel like it's so important, actually. I feel like, mm. I mean, us growing up as as girls and young women, we had those images, but it's even just so much worse now and it's just yeah it's so important and it needs to be it needs to be pointed out to adults as well so I don't know how yeah, teenagers absolutely handle it, yeah. absolutely and the other thing I do is I I share good you know I, I invite comments well good examples of you know positive accounts to follow yeah, yeah. so for I'm just thinking of the top of my head for like for example I wave yeah, um, yeah. and accounts like that for them to follow which really promotes body positivity yeah and that so so we look at those too but um I think we weren't bombarded in the same way because no. we'd buy a magazine that would come out monthly yeah yeah um and we'd watch Hollyoaks maybe <laughs> but it's not it's not you know do you know what I mean it's yeah. just not it's not the same level it wasn't in the same league I can't remember the statistic I did read somewhere about how many images a day they're bombarded with and it's 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 I think it was sort of around I think it was around sort of 500 images a day oh, wow. they're bombarded with oh my goodness just from everywhere wow oh that's so interesting so inter- and it's such an important conversation um, yeah yeah it worries it me it worries me but yeah yeah it's good, it's good that this research is being done Although I yeah. guess they haven't had enough time to like really have the long term no. studies about it yet. No. And the other thing that I sort of my ha- I guess my hashtag is find their spark. That's the thing I talk mm. about a lot because if and by spark, I mean the thing that fires them up. So it could be a sporting activity. So it could be like football. It could be dance or it could be um, calligraphy or um just that they really care about um climate change just anything that they really really into nurturing that one thing and it only needs to be one thing um will just mean that they just spend less time on social media they just won't have the time if they're like really into swimming um and they train for a swimming club, they, they'll be doing that so often that they won't have the time to be on it. And because they've got something else in their life that they feel part of, 
that um, makes them feel like they're part of a bigger picture. Social media won't be that thing that they'll feel part of. Do you see what I mean? You know, that it 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 helps them find their place in the world. And I think if if, if a teenager thinks that being on social media is their place in the world, that can present, just can make life more difficult for them. Whereas if they feel their place in the world is in the world of, I don't know, theatre, it's just it's just going to make it easy. It's it just, everything else falls into place. If they have that spark of yep. something else that isn't school, that isn't social media, that isn't their family, that is just for them, mm-hmm. um, that they own. It's just that ev- everything else falls into place. So you as a parent of a one-year-old, you're really lucky because you get to start, you get to kind of try and find these and have fun with him finding yeah, out what yeah. his spark is which is what I'm doing with my kids at the moment and it's exhausting because I have three like getting them to yeah. kind of go to all this stuff um you know me and my husband do, do, you know I, most of our budget goes on their activities but it's because and I have to with some days we do they don't want to do them we have to force them to kind of show up you know because that's the other thing they learn is you've got to show up to stuff mm. you've you know it teaches them that sort of commitment and they're always really glad they did it's like when you kind of don't want to go for a run yeah and yep. you do it and you come back and like, oh, I'm so glad I did that you never regret doing it no you know so it's kind of teaching them that too it's really interesting you mentioned it because that just came up in the book the book again but um oh, really it, he was kind of making the case for like you have like your work and you yeah. know your responsibilities and if that's all you have and plus social media and technology then that's what kind of leaves everyone adults uh, yeah. just feeling a bit like is that it is that all there is yeah and um, yeah. he's just making a case for yeah basically exactly what you said but for everyone not yeah. just not just children yeah. and teenagers but everyone yeah and I think when you have it um when you have that spark when you're younger I've talked about this a lot on my um, like in the content that I share on my platforms but you know I I did horse riding and dance and um I don't do either of those things now yeah but I remember like after I had my kids and that kind of whole fog has lifted when the newborn phase and I've had the newborn phase and I'm going off to preschool and then I had another one and the newborn phase mm. preschool mm. another one so I had it for you know I had my first when I was 29 so I've had it for a good sort of seven eight years before I thought right I'm ready now I want to do something else for me and I dabbled with a bit of yoga for a while and a bit of running and then I found like started to um, go boxing and that's what I really love now and I'm rubbish at it but I go kind of at least you know try and go three times a week because I did that thing before I think I've kind of remembered I felt like something was missing because you know that I had before and I knew I didn't want to do horse I don't knew I didn't want to do dancing but I wanted to do something that where my kids weren't something basically that didn't involve my kids my husband just me you know and I thought I also think that you don't mind being new at something if you remember what it's like to be new so I don't mind being rubbish at it because I remember being new yeah that's a good point. And I think it's important when you run your own business as well to have something else. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to ask you a couple of parting questions before we wrap things up. Okay. The first one is, um, what book, film or music have you discovered recently that moved you in some way and why? 
do you know what? I haven't watched a film for ages and I still listen to music that I listened to when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So I can't really, I could do with uh, listening to something new. Um, the most recent book that I've read that really moved me is called um, The Hate You Give or Thug by Angie Thomas. Um, and I, it's a young adult it's young adult fiction I still like to read I used to have to read a lot of young adult fiction when I was teaching English oh it's amazing um she's just got another one out actually um I think Angie Thomas was I think she was a rapper um before she started writing fiction it's really really powerful it's not it's very compelling it's not always an easy read but it's basically a story of this girl star who's 16 and um she kind of lives in sort of two worlds and um the sort of world where her family live in her house you know her, her town the sort of part of her town and um and world where she goes to school and it's sort of about how those kind of how she's trying to kind of navigate herself through those two worlds and how they kind of come together because very early on in the novel um she is driving home from a party and um she gets stopped her and her friend get stopped by with her friend they get stopped by the police and her friend is shot by the police um and it's a story inspired by um angie thomas wrote it inspired by kind of um, black lives matter movement Mm -hmm. and um so it's a story about you know about sort of the racism that still exists in america and basically what it's like to be a black teenager living in america um you know there's so much is covered up by sort of not told by the police and she's the only one that knows the truth and it's her sort of learning to speak up and kind of about the power of her voice and using her voice and she's she's just an amazing amazing young woman and um it's a really, I say, it's a really compelling story. Quite difficult to read at times, but it's just so timely and so important. Okay, second question: um, What advice would you give to teenage Maria? Oh, um, a really good question. I think it would be just to take, just to take more risks. I, I think I was quite safe and worried a lot about what people thought. So, mm. and worried that I wasn't as clever as everybody else and that you know that I I guess just to kind of allow myself to dream a bit more and to kind of go for those dreams and not just play it safe all the time knowing that I am you know I'd I'd sort of tell her that you are safe so it's okay to take some risks because you know the world won't fall apart if if it doesn't go the way you think it will I think I played played quite a lot of my adult life I think playing it safe being being in teaching and say whilst it served me a lot I think I would have liked to have done a few more things before I started teaching I think and and I think to be I'd tell her to be brave and just go for it and don't worry if you don't have it all figured out yeah and it's okay to break the rules (laughs) yeah last question and where can people go to find out more about you and what you do Oh, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook at The Teen Coach. So I hang out on Instagram mostly. So yeah, come find me there. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. If you have a moment, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. It really does make a difference. And if you'd like to carry on the conversation or ask a question for a future Q&A episode, there are three ways to connect with me. On the Facebook group, on Instagram, at Ruth Poundwhite, or my personal favourite, my behind-the-scenes newsletter. 
Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe and keep doing what you're doing because your work really does matter.